This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Let's do this. What's going on? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson. Beautiful Thursday afternoon in Winnipeg. And I guess I should turn that volume down on the YouTube feed here. And uh, yeah, let's get after it. Great show today. We've got Darren Drager, TSN Hockey Insider, joining us in just a few minutes on the program. And with another Friday edition of Kenny and Rennie coming up tomorrow, our good friend Sean Reynolds will join us. I see James Robinson is in the house. He's got his headband on. Headband, not mandatory, but encouraged for viewing today's Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Sean Reynolds coming on a little later on. Um, so lots to get to. Shout out to everyone. Man, we got a lot of people joining us right off the bat. Paula Detz here, Owen, Colin, Jackie, the hockey kid, Jet Oil Tom. Great to see everybody. Ah, Mark Sports Video. I know he's chopping up some good cuts, getting ready for the playoffs. Probably have some good breakdowns of the Oilers and Jets leading into it. Give them a follow if you haven't already. Um, as, as always, we're brought to you by Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Um, let's get Michael Remus in here uh, to get things going. Remo, great show yesterday, great feedback, and it's funny, the feedback was as much about the great interviews with Paul Stastny and Cole Perfetti, who were kind enough to join us, um, but a lot of love for the press conference at the end of the program, which was put out on Twitter. How, how has your feedback been on that? You You owned it. You owned it. Look, we had a bunch of mistakes, and uh, if you go watch the replay, I edited them all out, so it actually looks really well. And we'll have the Cole Perfetti interview as a standalone feature on our YouTube channel, um, maybe Friday night. But the Stasny one is up now, and you can watch it on the replay. There are chapter points as well, so you can s- jump there and you know skip all the stuff. But yeah, we I had to step to the podium after the show, Huss, and apologize for um, some of the technical issues, which were caused by me trying to tweet from the same computer I'm streaming from. I owned it. Uh, I fielded questions, and uh, we got a lot of good feedback. I think more people watch that video than any clips of Paul Stasny talking. It always so, works that way. You get a yeah. stupid alarm going off in the middle of the show, a clip like that. That seems to be what people on the internet like the most. So, um, hey, whatever. We're, we're just here to have fun and provide the content for everybody. Um, so we will have lots to get to, as we mentioned. Darren Drager's coming up. Sean Reynolds a little bit later on. We'll really focus in on Jets Oilers with Rennie. Um, and we'll kind of talk, we'll get Drake's thoughts on, you know, the upcoming playoffs in the Canadian division, but also what's happening in and around the league. Remo, just before we get to the Jets playoff schedule, I do have to ask you just about the press conference yesterday. The one thing that people asked me um, multiple times was how you were able to get that thing up so quickly. I mean, this wasn't like this was a planned bit or anything. All right, you've been planning. Uh, Sooner or later, I'm going to screw up and I will own it with the press conference graphic. I'm just really good at what I do, Huss. Uh, <laughs> I thought so. That's what I said. I said, hey, it works um, fast. This is the magic of the internet. Do you want to know the honest behind the scenes? I've done that uh, bit. I do a Twitch stream in the evenings where I play <laughs> NHL. So uh, after I, you know, I lose a game of NHL or something, I've done, I've done that bit before. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's like, you know, when you're on SNL and you're like, you're doing Second City. It's like how, you know, Chris Farley did his bits at Second City. And then brought them to SNL. So I was doing that bit on my Twitch stream, and then I brought it to Winnipeg Sports Talk. 
So. Well, it was a winner. People loved it. It was uh, it was well placed. And yeah, I mean, th- thanks again to everyone who uh, uh, for the feedback on yesterday's show, and uh, a big thanks to the Jets and Moose for helping us hook up Paul Stastny and Cole Perfetti on the program. Yeah, that was so awesome. That's a huge thank you to um, Scott Brown from the Jets and Daniel Fink from the Moose um, for setting those up. And, of course, uh, Chris Johnson. How, we, how could we forget uh, him as well? Yeah, CJ was awesome. It was great to have him back mm-hmm. on the program. And uh, we'll stay in, as I said, a number of the things that we uh, you know, have been the big stories in and around the league. We hit with Chris Johnson. We'll kind of get Dreg's takes on it, uh, coaching vacancies around the league, his thoughts on the upcoming playoffs. What what are we going to see from player safety come playoff time and how what happened at the end of the season may affect that? Very interested um, to talk about that with uh, with the dregs. But let's get to it, Remo. Bring on the Oilers. We have a schedule. We can now start planning, well, more of nothing for the next six days or whatever until the playoffs start because we do know the North Division playoffs will start later than the other divisions. Um, the Jets and Oilers begin their best of seven round one series next Wednesday in Edmonton, 8 p.m. Central. Friday night's game, 8 p.m. Central as well. And then what's interesting, Reem, is the series comes back to Winnipeg, and we've got back to backs Sunday and Monday. Now, no travel. Both teams will be handling the tam- same time zone, uh, same game time. So I don't think that that's really a conversation piece but it is interesting that this is the one series that there is back-to-backs placed in and you know I'm not sure whether that really has an effect on either team I guess you know we'll see who's feeling better uh coming out of game three and who wants to get back on the ice more than than the others um but Sunday and Monday are the two back-to-backs and then Wednesday the 26th Friday the 28th and Sunday the 30th if necessary a seven game series would basically take us right to the end of the month of May yeah really pumped for these uh, 8 p.m. start times Uh, I think that's good good for my personal schedule and that's really what matters uh, when the NHL is putting this together how it's gonna affect uh, myself Um, and so we'll see I mean I think this series and the Montreal Toronto series have the back-to-backs just because they're starting later um, you know, the other series are starting Sunday or there's two Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, the other series. So, you know, they got to catch up, put it in a back to back same time zone. So it shouldn't I agree. Same time zone. It's both in Winnipeg. I don't think it should affect them too much. I mean, you want everyone to be rested, but, you know, it's a playoffs. It's a grinder, as you've heard Paul Maurice say. So hopefully uh, it's a grinder. If it's a grinder, yeah. that's better for I, the Jets. I think if it's high flying back and forth nonstop, unless Connor Hellebuck is, unless Connor is the best Connor of the series, uh, mm-hmm. a high flying series against the Oilers trading chances. Not sure that is playing into um, into the Winnipeg Jets. Um, you know, best path to victory. Um, you know, the Jets did practice today. Um, let's quickly hit that. <clears throat> Tucker Pullman was in the non-contact jersey today. Andrew Kopp did not skate. Um, so you had the uh, the line, Connor Shifley-Wheeler, coming off their best game of the season. Paul Stastny in the middle with Dubois and Perot on the wings. Interesting. Uh, Lowry in the middle of Appleton and Dominic Toninato taking Andrew Kopp's spot on that line today. And the fourth line of Jansen Harkins, Nate Thompson, and Trevor Lewis. Defense pairings were Josh Morrissey and Dylan DeMello, Derek Forbort and Neil Pionk. 
Logan Stanley and Jamie Benn, and then Sammy Niku and Vili Hainala skated as a fourth pair. Um, I think it's pretty clear to see the depth chart from Coach Palmer. He's heading into the playoffs right now based on today's uh, practice. And in net, obviously, Connor Hellebuck and Loren Brassois. Now, Maurice did say that Kopp won't play tomorrow, but he will be ready for game one. No Tucker Pullman tomorrow either. And Nikolai Ehlers continues to skate and has started shooting, um, but his status for game one won't be clear for at least a few more days. And uh, Reem, obviously the big story behind the scenes, everyone's sort of been nervous and patiently waiting on an update on Nikolai Ehlers. And well, it's great that he's skating and doing some shooting. Um, I think there's still a lot of people that are a little bit nervous about his potential availability for game one, especially considering what Nick Kiprios, a guy that's pretty pretty dialed in and has some good connections within that jet dressing room, um, said that he won't be ready for game number one. Yeah, they, they wouldn't commit today. Um, Paul Maurice said, you know, they can't really make a determination if he's going to be ready. You hope so. I think he's shooting pucks. That's a better sign. They'll have to wait to see whatever it is, if it's healed. And then we'll, we'll know. I mean, there's no... You can say what uh, Ehlers brings. You know what type of player he is. He brings that speed, uh, offensive ability. So they would definitely miss him if he's not there. And I, we can just cross our fingers and hope. He won't obviously not play tonight. He's injured. So uh, we'll, we'll count down. But it seems like everyone else uh, is, is playing. And Connor Hellebuck will get the start tomorrow night. We thought maybe they would give him some rest. But Hel- you know Hellebuck, Huss, he's a gamer. He wants to play. And, you know, with like a week in between yeah. games or less than a week. Um, I mean, what's <clears throat> let the guy get some action, right? Cause if he doesn't play, then that, again, that's even longer in between games. So, um, sure. Now, I don't get- know what to expect from this game on Friday, really from both teams. I mean, it is interesting that Hellebuck is going to play. Um, I would have been sort of fine with, Hey, you know, finish the regular season on a shutout with a good feeling going into the regular season. But as you mentioned, and I think the coach did as well today, this really comes down to, Connor Hellebuck's preference and he wants to play he'll get in that game on Friday and then still have Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday um, to rest and prepare for the Edmonton Oilers when the puck drops in game number one I have to tell you Reem and we'll get Dustin Nielsen on next week Dusty maybe not as guilty of this as some of the other members of the Edmonton media but I did spend a good portion of the morning tuning in to see what they were saying in Edmonton and Essentially, the question right now by many fans and some media is, how are things going to play out when the Leafs and the Oilers play in round two? (laughs) Not giving a lot of credence to either the Habs or the Winnipeg Jets. And listen, I get it. I mean, I think the confidence levels, you know, if things were reversed, um, would be very high for Winnipeg Jet fans if they had Connor McDavid and they were had won six in a row against their opponents. But at the same time, I have, and I'm not sure, maybe it's just a complete overreaction to a great game um, in their last outing. Um, But I think we all knew that this Winnipeg Jet team was much better than the way they were playing down the stretch. And, you know, we've heard a lot from Paul Maurice over the last little while about exactly how this team needs to play when they get to the playoffs. And I'll say this, um, if if what he has been selling, that maybe this team will be better equipped to actually win in the playoffs because of what they've been through, I think every Jet fan would be uh, would definitely sign up for that. Um, listen, we've got Dregs coming on in just a second. Uh, as always, 
Winnipeg Sports Talk brought to you by our friends at Not Auto Corp, Waverly, and McGilvery. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with the help of the Not team? And if you're in a vehicle that you'd like to sell or get out of a lease, they'll also help you with their very successful consignment program. You can pop down to see them in person and check out all the great selection at Waverly and McGilvery at the Not Auto Corp showroom or check them out online at not.ca. And of course, Boston Pizza. Our great sponsor from day one here. Um, no dine-in, no patios right now, but the pizza flights are still available. I I, I had it on Monday again. Um, just the best. May I suggest the bourbon barbecue chicken pizza as one of your three choices? Uh, but get the pierogi, get the meteor, get the deluxe, whatever you like. It's a great. Comes with three dips as well at a great price, less than twenty bucks. So. Get ready for the games, the weekend, Boston Pizza, and as I said, you know, support all of our local restaurants right now when they need our support with the inability to have people live sitting down in their restaurants. All right, Sean Reynolds coming up a little bit later on, but I do believe, guess who's back? Our friend, TSN hockey insider, Darren Drager. Dregs, what's going on? It's great to talk to you again. How's things? Ah, things are good, man. Um, I wish I could play golf. I can't in Ontario. And uh, Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, you know, kind of trolled all of us a little bit. There was a sense uh, earlier today. In fact, my daughter works for a local golf course. She got called in um, to to try and do some of the prep work. She's been off work. It's a stay-at-home order here in Ontario and has been for weeks now. She got called in in an emergency fashion earlier today. Uh, which was an indication that they were going to open golf courses and allow us to golf. But new, the uh, premier faced the media today and he said, no golf for you until at least uh, June 2nd. So I'm in my office here, man. This is about as fancy as it gets. I'll tell you what, thank God we've got Stanley Cup playoff hockey right now, because if we didn't have sports with people having to stay at home, the inability to do things that we probably should be able to do, like golf, I think um, the nerves would be even more afraid than they they already are. Um, you know, it drags a lot of excitement here in Winnipeg. Jets had a great game against Vancouver, a one that they and the fan base, I think, really needed. Um, a big, big night for the top line after some real struggles. I mean, just your thoughts on the Jets having gone through their worst skid in recent history right before the playoffs, and can they get back to the team that was so successful for the first yeah. 70, 75% of the season uh, to play Edmonton? Yeah, and look, obviously we're going to find that out. Um, I think that their confidence is clearly uh, eroded given the, the stretch of games and how uh, inconsistent they played as a group until the other night. Uh, but the pieces of the puzzle are still there, right? And and because of that and the hope that Nick Ehlers, you know, should be close to around the start of the playoffs, um, there's reason to be optimistic. And they've got a Vesna winning goaltender who can single-handedly almost steal games. The concerning parts are what you see, though, right? Uh, Again, a a very offensive-minded team hasn't been able to consistently generate offense. And defensively, this group has allowed way too many high-quality chances to the opposition. So there's parts of their game that I'm sure that they've worked on and they've uh, tried to clean up. And they're going against a very confident group in the Edmonton Oilers. It's not just about Dreisaitl and McDavid. You know, this team has... A lot of different weapons. Those are the two primary guys, uh, again, appreciably speaking. But I feel like if Winnipeg can get back to playing the game that they can play, um, which is a combination of a little bit of everything, including a higher level of physicality, then I, I think that they're poised for success. If they don't get back to playing the way that they can play, 
then they're setting themselves up for disappointment because the Oilers are a good team, and they've proven that in the second half of the season. You know, Drakes, we haven't spoke since uh, on the air since the trade deadline. Um, needless to say, around Winnipeg, the trade deadline was a huge story. We knew how aggressive the Jets were going to be to try to add to the blue line, and it was very apparent in the press conference afterwards with Kevin Dayoff that he was frustrated yeah. um, that he didn't get done. I mean, what can you tell us about how close the Jets were to some sort of a move? And Because I mean, I'm sure you would agree. I yeah. mean, Kevin Dayoff usually plays his cards pretty close to the vest. And, I mean, it was very clear that, you know, whatever had happened, that they'd worked very hard and fell apart relatively close to 2 p.m. Yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> how close it got, whether it was, you know, right there at, at 2 p.m., I, I can't be sure. Uh, I would say that, you know, the information I was given was that Chevy threw everything that he possibly could at the players of interest. You know, top four defensemen that could have and would have made the Winnipeg Jets better. Uh, Alexiak's name was out there. There were other names that we'd speculated on. We talked about here in the media. The problem with it all along was, and go all the way back to Matthias Ekholm and the speculation there with the Nashville Predators. You know, those players are kind of in play, but they're kind of not. They're only in play if you're willing to overpay to acquire those pieces. And so the, 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 the higher level player that Dayoff was searching for, was asking about, was continually grinding on, even right up until the trade deadline, you know, the managers always came back with something similar in that they would say, okay, well, we need your first, we need this piece, we need Vili Hinola uh, or Dylan Sandberg, and we need something else. And that something else was as problematic as one of those two key young prospects in Hanola and in Sandberg, because if that something else is a roster player that you're hoping that you could, you know, uh, expose to the expansion draft, well, now it actually becomes a four or a five piece, you know, equation trying to land that player. So this wasn't from a, a lack of effort in terms of trying to, to nail down a, a bigger name and a more impactful defenseman. But you also have to be mindful of, of how it's going to negatively influence your team on the short term if you're giving up roster pieces. And then most definitely looking forward if you have to include Vili Hanola or Dylan Sandberg as part of it as well. Now, Drake, as far as the Edmonton Jets series goes, um, it's been pretty clear that the Oilers have had the better hand for the majority of the head-to-head se- yeah. uh, season series. But I, I want to ask you about the Oilers as a team. I mean, it's so easy to focus on the brilliance of Connor McDavid and, you know, he and Leon Dreisaitl. But what has Dave Tippett done? And what has this team done to become a team that is much more than just a couple of the best players in the world, along with the supporting cast that, you know, unfortunately in the past hadn't been good enough to get them to where they wanted to go? Yeah, well, uh, again, they're, they're clearly listening to what the coach has been preaching all season long. Uh, but they've been fortunate as well. And, and, you know, part of that is through good management with Kenny Holland. He didn't panic with the Essie Pooley-RV. You could have unloaded him a bunch of different times, right? It had ample reason to, given the history of Pooley-RV with the Edmonton Oilers. Instead, he was patient through that process. He allowed that player to mature a little bit, uh, to rub, you know, some of the rough spots off his game over uh, in Europe. And then he comes back to the National Hockey League and he appears to be a different player, a player who's been a real good fit in their top nine and a player who can complement to some degree Connor McDavid. And then you look at Cahoon and, you know, you look at the pieces that they've got on their back end. I mean, I think most of us thought that Tyson Berry was going to be better in the West than he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs in the East. But talk about banking and betting on yourself. I mean, Barry signs a one-year deal 
under market uh, just because he felt like that's what he needed to do with COVID-19. But he lands in a perfect spot with McDavid and Dreisaitl and, and all the pieces that they have there. And it's like he, he went from Colorado to Edmonton. And, you know, the, the abyss that was his time in Toronto has been covered up. It's been forgotten. It's like it didn't exist. So he has been a huge compliment to the offensive uh, generation of, of the Oilers from the back end. And Darnell Nurse is continuing to have a wonderful year. So all of those things together have made the Oilers formidable. And on top of that, and perhaps even more important, is their goaltending. By and large, has been better than most expected. Koskinen hasn't been good of late, uh, but no one expected Mike Smith at 38 years of age to, to carry the load in the way that he has this season. So I think it's a combination, and it's multiple ingredients, including management and coaching. Yeah, and then you have Connor McDavid and, you know, with all yeah. due respect to Leon Dreisaitl, who had, yes. you know, a legendary year last year. Yeah. Dregs, I mean, I know you've been talking about this a lot as we have, and, you know, I look at the numbers, I compare it to, you know, generational players and generational years. And, you know, what we've witnessed at least through this regular season from Connor McDavid is one of the great seasons in NHL history. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I'm hesitant though, to, to take take us all the way back to the Gretzky era. Um, and not because I don't think that McDavid would have flourished, maybe to the same degree that Mario Lemieux and, and Wayne Gretzky did. Um, but we don't know that for sure. And <clears throat> the way the game was played back then is, is completely different than the way it's played now. Uh, but I'm not taking anything away from McDavid because, look, every other player is playing in the same environment in today's NHL. And there isn't another player that's even close. You know, every team has their most valuable player. Um, but even though I don't have a vote, I would waste zero time um, focusing on who gets the, the first pick for the heart. I mean, for me, it's, it's Connor McDavid all day long with honorable mention going to the likes of Vasilevsky and Crosby and, and, and others. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, We've run out of words, or at least I have, of, of trying to describe what Connor McDavid is. I, I mean, special doesn't cut it. Generational seems obvious. So what is left? I mean, every time the guy's on the ice, he, he does something magical. Uh, and it's not like teams aren't used to the speed of Connor McDavid. It's not like they don't watch ample uh, amounts of film and trying to 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 develop a defensive strategy to keep him off the score sheet. I mean, of course they do that. I, I mean, he must drive coaches absolutely bananas because what do you do if you try and do anything physically, even though they complain in Edmonton about how few penalties are called against Connor? I mean, how do you slow him down without taking a penalty? So, you know, historically speaking, of course, he deserves to be in the conversation with the greats, including Wayne Gretzky and, and Mario Lemieux. But this year feels just a little bit different, a little bit more special, given everything that McDavid has had to deal with. Yeah, there was like absolutely no question that he was probably going to get 100 points on Saturday night. I know. We yeah. do. Uh, we obviously follow. And I know you guys work with Cool Bet on the Ray and Dregs podcast. And. Um, you know, we were looking at the odds and a couple games before for McDavid, you know, rarely do they put over three and a half points as even an option for any player, but they did for McDavid and it was plus 820, more than eight to one. Well, on Saturday, 
the number just kept going down and down. It ended up being <laughs> plus 370, which is in, uh, absolutely absurd. And yet everyone bet it because they knew that it was probably going to happen. And the uh, yeah. crazy thing is that he hasn't stopped yet. Not sure what they're going to do for this final game, um, you know, with everything wrapped up. Speaking of that final game, we'll get back to the playoffs in a second. Uh, you know, Jets have one more against the Leafs. We just heard from Paul Maurice that Andrew Kopp's not going to play. Doesn't look like Tucker Pullman will play. Hellebuck is going to start because he wants the game, and there's a bit of a break beforehand. How uh, how do you think the Leafs are going to handle and attack this final game, knowing that all that's really important is being healthy for game one? Yeah, they haven't disclosed yet, uh, but I talked to one of the agents uh, involved with one of Toronto's top players, and his expectation is that um, the big boys probably won't play tomorrow night. Uh, but I, I haven't seen uh, anything from, uh, you know, the availabilities today specific to the Maple Leafs to see whether Sheldon Keefe has, has declared that or not. Um, I don't know. I, I, I might leave it up to the individual player, you know. I, but if you do that, I mean, most players are going to play unless they've got something nagging because, you know, Toronto doesn't start its series uh, against the Montreal Canadiens until the 20th. So you've got seven full days to rest and and uh, get whatever maintenance management done, done. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if the big boys for the Leafs play. But in saying that, as I said, according to one player agent, he thought that his guy likely wasn't going to play. So uh, either way, it'll be a fun game. It'll be an entertaining game. I mean, Winnipeg, you know, wants to leave the regular season on a winning vibe. I mean, they're coming off that nice 5 nothing win. They want to keep that ball rolling. I mean, they've run out of runway as far as the regular season is concerned, but there's, there's still lots to play for in that game. Yeah, no doubt about it. What's the buzz in T.O.? I mean, I know everyone's locked down and everyone's miserable about what's going on, but I have to imagine there is a special level of anticipation for the Leafs, considering the amazing season they've had, as well as the fact that they're going head-to-head with the Habs in round one. Yeah, it hasn't happened since 1979. So, you know, it, it'll be a special series for both Montreal Canadiens fans and Leafs fans. They manage expectations well here. They've had a very good team, a very consistent team. Um, are they a legit <clears throat> Stanley Cup contender? I don't know how that you how you can't argue that they are. But I would say the same of, of the team that wins the North Division. And, of course, that could be Winnipeg. It, it could be Edmonton. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs, I think Kyle Dubas has, has uh, done some interesting things to balance his his lineup, uh, including the addition of Nick Foligno and Riley Nash. Again, mostly because of salary cap issues. Uh, you know, we, we haven't seen the full lineup for the Maple Leafs just yet. And you'll see it, you know, start of the playoffs. Zach Hyman is good to go. Riley Nash coming off injury. He's good to go. Freddie Anderson played against the Ottawa Senators last night. He's good to go. So they should have their full complement. So when you look at the four lines of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's putting Spezza, Thornton, and Wayne Simmons on that fourth line, uh, they're pretty deep. So if you value, and we all should, depth in scoring in the Stanley Cup playoffs, then it's 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 hard to look beyond what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be capable of. Well, no doubt about that. At the same time, a lot of things need to go right, I think, for the Montreal Canadiens to really challenge yes. the Leafs in this series. But it's not going to happen if they don't get back some of their most important players. Carey Price, Brendan Gallagher, Shea Weber. Um, is it trending positively for Dominic Ducharme's club that they at least should be bringing their top dogs to the fight? Well, that's what they're hoping, and, and that's what Ducharme continues to say. Um, of the pieces that you've just mentioned, and this is going to sound a little bit ridiculous, I think, um, 
I mean, for me, Brendan Gallagher is the most important piece just because of everything that he brings, including the energy, right? When you think of the heart and soul of the Montreal Canadiens, it, it really is embodied in Brendan Gallagher, the way he approaches the game, how good a teammate he is, how good he is with the media, off the ice, all of those things. That's not to say that a healthy Carey Price isn't a difference maker. Of course he is. And if Shea Weber is even close to healthy, you know, he brings so many elements to the game as well. So if all three of those pieces are available, then I've, I've read some prognosticators suggest that this is going to be a four or five game series. And I, I, I don't see it. I, I have way more respect for the Montreal Canadiens than that. I look at Josh Anderson. The reason that Mark Bergevin made the deal for Josh Anderson from the Columbus Blue Jackets was for the playoffs. He wanted a power forward. He needed to get bigger up front. Anderson has delivered tenfold for me for the Montreal Canadiens this year. And I think he certainly is capable of being a difference maker in the playoffs. Toffoli has been Tyler Toffoli. He just scores goals. That's what he does. So the pieces are there, and there's enough character. If they can get the goaltending, and if their defense can hold up to the attack of the Toronto Maple Leafs, then this series could go longer than some are expecting. You know, I, I just before moving on, I want to ask about a couple of other North Division teams that aren't going to be in the playoffs. I mean, we've talked a lot about Ottawa lately and just what a great story they've been after that rough start. But uh, let me ask you this. In your mind, are the Calgary Flames the most disappointing team of the year in the NHL? And... For Vancouver, um, where do they go from here? Is Travis Green going to be back? What do you make of the coaching situation in Van? I mean, it's 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 hard to make sense of what's going on in Vancouver, aside from the reality of doing business in a pandemic has proven to be incredibly difficult. Um, small business, big business, it's it's all been hampered. But there still is a cost of doing business. So that's what's perplexing, I would think, from uh, Travis Green's perspective yeah, he's an excellent coach, and if he doesn't get extended, or they can't come to terms on what a what a, an extension you know should look like, then he's not going to be unemployed for very long. Just based on the number of teams that are now looking for coaches and the high level of respect that there is in in Travis Green, um, Jim Menning is going to have a little bit more space, a little bit more financial flexibility this off season. So I, I guess there's reason to be optimistic, but. You know, no different than this year. They're going to need their young players to, to find a way to find another gear and take another step in their development. And if they do that and you know, Benning can consult in some other ads, then I, I, I don't think that the Vancouver Canucks are that far. I, I really don't. Calgary, for sure, for me, in the North Division is the most disappointing. Didn't see it. I thought with Brad Terliving bringing in Jacob Markstrom, uh, finally shored up his goaltending. I mean, this guy was the MVP the Vancouver Canucks for two years running. So goaltending no longer a question in Calgary. TANF was uh, a nice add as well. They seem to have all the, the right pieces. So what's missing? And that's what nobody seems to be able to answer. You know, there's got to be something that is missing from within the core of that group. They started to play better, you know, in the last, what, 10, 12 games or so. Uh, maybe even a bit longer, and maybe that's just in, in response uh, to Daryl Sutter being on the bench and spending more time under Daryl's leadership. But you cannot go three and six against the Ottawa Senators, even though Ottawa has been a terrific story. Calgary's looking back at this season. Why did they miss the playoffs? Because they couldn't beat the Ottawa Senators. In a nutshell, that's kind of what it boils down to. No, it certainly is. A couple quick ones for you, Drake, before we go. Um, 
So tonight, the Avalanche can win the President's Trophy uh, with a victory, uh, and that would mean Vegas plays Minnesota in the first round, and you know, yeah. obviously Colorado would have home ice. But when they played on the weekend, a huge game, Vegas dresses 10 forwards and five defensemen. How, I mean, for, for our listeners that maybe don't understand the cap, can you just explain how this happened? And was this something that they weren't, they didn't think they'd get to, but unfortunately they were forced into it in a big game that could be the difference between winning or not winning the division? Yeah, I mean, it was far from ideal. Uh, that's that's pretty obvious. Not to be overly critical of management of the, the Vegas Golden Knights, I had at least a few teams reach out to go, you know how do you how do you put yourself in this predicament in the first place? Um, given the magnitude of the game, uh, given that it is the National Hockey League, I mean, I joke with my son who's you know just about twenty years old. You know when when he jumped up from minor hockey from nine forwards to ten, they were super sour because they had that extra forward in minor hockey that couldn't just roll three lines. So it reminded me a little bit of, of minor hockey with ten forwards and five defense. But that puts an incredible amount of stress um, on that, that group of players, especially going with, with five defense. Uh, so it, it was only through the mathematics and the necessity of, of having to do it. Why they let it get to that point, obviously they didn't have a choice. They, they, they just simply didn't have a choice. Maybe they didn't have an LTIR option, something along those lines. I, I haven't deeply investigated it, to be sure, uh, or to be fair, but... You know, you don't put your players, your team in that situation unless you don't have a choice. How they got to that point, though, is is uh, is a little uh, surprising, if not shocking to many around the league. Hey, speaking of cap, um, obviously, we're seeing some tweets from angry fans. Are GMs bitter about how Tampa has been able to utilize LTIR on the cap to get back Stamkos and Kucherov, who I saw were on that number one power play unit today at practice? yeah. You know, I, I think they've gotten over the bitterness um, because they have had lots of time to come to terms with it. Um, and does it stink? Yeah, it does. If, if you're a team that's been up against it and, and juggling the salary cap all season long, like the Winnipeg Jets, like so many teams you know, across the, the National Hockey League. But I always say the same thing. You know, even though you don't, agree with the system of the collective bargaining agreement and how it manages things like this, you can't cheat. You can't get away with it. And I know that the National Hockey League was was constantly in the ear of Julian Brisebois and the Tampa Bay Lightning to make sure that there was no funny stuff. Now, you could take issue with the timing of Kucherov's surgery and all of that, and then the expected return and the fact that he's been skating for weeks now, and you know he's just magically going to be good to go for game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But evidently, there's nothing that governs that in the collective bargaining agreement. Otherwise, the NHL would stop it. So I understand the frustration of it all. But is it illegal? No, it's not illegal. Hey, Drake's before we go, a lot of people in the chat asking about the status of the Drager Cafe heading into the World Championships. Yeah. Um, tell us about the upcoming Worlds and uh, maybe a little bit on Cole Perfetti, who we talked to yesterday on the program. Very excited about getting another opportunity to represent Canada, this time at the World Championships. Yeah, what a terrific year for Cole. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for his family. I know them well. Um, you know, to, to go from all the uncertainty to having the experience that he had at the World Junior Championship, expecting to come back to Saginaw in the Ontario Hockey League, playing as well as he did professionally uh, with the American Hockey League, Manitoba Moose, and then getting this opportunity 
to again represent your country on the world men's stage. I mean, that is incredible. Braden Schneider and Owen Power, the other uh, non-NHL players going along. Um, it's it's just a, a fantastic opportunity for them. So I'm looking forward to watching them again. Um, as for the Gregor Cafe, it's funny you ask because we just had that discussion today with the brass at TSN. And yeah, we're, we're most definitely going to do it. And it is going to be wrapped around the Men's World Championship in Latvia. Obviously, it'll be done electronically. It'll be done virtually. But we'll probably roll out five, six, seven of them throughout the World Championships. And uh, what about you and the insiders? What do you guys have cooking this week heading into the playoffs? I'm sure a lot of anticipation. Uh, hurry up and waiting, I guess. Yeah. yeah, we've got another edition of Insider Trading. And uh, then it won't necessarily go on a hiatus. It just won't be part of uh, Sports Center's uh, appointment viewing on Tuesdays and, and Thursdays. We've got our uh, playoff preview show, I believe, is scheduled for Monday afternoon. Note the time, Monday afternoon, to avoid going head-to-head, of course, with uh, NHL games being played Monday night. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, it's, it's going to be different. Uh, how we're handling it, I'm still not entirely sure. A lot of it will be in studio. Some of, will, some of it will be from the perch that I'm sitting at right now at my home office, but you know, we're going to be as busy as we normally would. The only thing we're not doing is traveling, and uh, at least for now, I'm okay with that. Well, and of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell everyone, now that we're YouTube and podcast guys, that uh, you've got a great podcast with Ray Ferraro. It's the Ray and Dregs podcast. Uh, that seems to be going really well, and uh, I'm sure you guys will be all over the Stanley Cup playoffs on the uh, next edition. Oh, yeah, no question about that. In fact, we're uh, we're recording it tonight. Uh, and it is a playoff preview, but Ken Holland, the general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, will stop by and, and join us to talk about the upcoming series and <clears throat> also look back at the season that it's been and maybe take us uh, deeper into the offseason with the oil as well. Oh, well, excellent stuff. And it's great to talk to Ken Holland right now because in a couple yeah. weeks, he's probably going to be really, really ornery asking what the hell happened against the Winnipeg Jets. Hey, dare to dream right now, Dregs. It should be a great one. Hey, thank you, you so it. much for the time. Keep it up, and uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime. Of course. Thanks for having me. <laughs> right on. There he is, TSN Hockey Insider Darren Drager with us today on the program. We've had... Man, uh, over the years, I don't know how many times we've had great hockey conversations with Darren Drager, but this was a special one having him on our program for the first time here in Winnipeg on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Great stuff with Dregs. Can't wait for all the guys, the insiders for their coverage heading into the playoffs and obviously right through. Now, um, we're going to get to Rennie, Sean Reynolds, in just a couple of minutes on the program. Do want to give a big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports, 650 Rallying EK, 750 Pembina Highway. I don't know if y'all have looked at the forecast coming up, but it's here. I mean, we're going spring right into summer-like temperatures with a potential of 30, I believe, next Tuesday. So, listen, if you haven't already, it's time to get ready for spring and summer, whether it's fitness gear, whether it's a bike, whether it's some you know new licensed merchandise for playoffs one place and one place only can you do it all and that's royal sports 650 rally in ek 750 pembina highway and if you go to the store on well either of them but especially the store on, on pembina make sure to check out that big disc golf display something that you might want to try out very fun activity and they've got awesome stuff for beginners over at royal sports and of course our friends at nick and nikki dq 
Um, they do. There's no uh, dine-in right now, obviously, anywhere around here. But takeout is still open, including Polo Park, which is still open for takeout. The drive-through is available at the Niverville and the Northgate locations. Fast service in D. In um, of course, the summer menu is in full effect, including the new drumstick blizzard, which Nick claims is the best blizzard in DQ history. And, uh, of course, if you do want to hit them up on Instagram, give them a follow anyways, at DQ Manitoba. If you're thinking about a cake or some sort of an advance order, hit them up on the gram, and they will take care of you. A big thanks to Nick and Nikki at DQ Northgate, Niverville, St. Anne's, and DQ Polo Park. And, you know, I should mention um, our friends at Little Brown Jug, before we get Rennie on, um, if you haven't already tried, this is the summer lager. It is incredible. And this is the uh, Hefeweizen. And I believe it was Jeff Wozni who tweeted yesterday how much he loved the Hefeweizen after trying it. I mentioned to him that they do have home delivery. And Jeff just tweeted another picture of a 48-pack of the new Hefeweizen. So uh, I'll tell you what, the Winnipeg Sports Talk folks are uh, doing a good job at helping out the launch of these two new beers. They're amazing. Try them at some point on the weekend. It's going to be great weather for uh, having a few little brown jugs. And by the way, they're also at Ron Paul Garden Center on Saturday from 11 to 3. You can order little brown at littlebrownjug.ca and select pickup at Ron Paul in the cart. Um, if you're stopping by for uh, gardening supplies on the weekend, why not order some little brown jugs for the hard work in the garden on this beautiful weekend? And again, more on home delivery and all their services, go to their website at littlebrownjug.ca. Uh, looking forward to having Sean Reynolds join us for a few minutes coming up, talking Jets and Oilers. Let's get Michael Remus back in here for a minute. And Reem, uh, man, it was great to have Dregs back on the program. We hit a number of topics, um, but I imagine that certainly for the insiders and really for most hockey fans, like it's been all season long. We're going to be going back and forth from the east to the west every night as the North Division playoffs get going in the middle of next week. Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to Jeff Wozni. Uh, there's his 48 uh, there, FOIs. No, there it is. There it is on the screen. <laughs> Jeff was not screwing around. Yeah, so and Jeff's here right now. What's up, Jeff? Great I think to have he's, him live he's with in chat in now. I think yeah. he's stocked for the summer here with this 48, right? Or just, just the month? Well, maybe uh, a couple of weeks. Depends how much gardening he's doing and uh, and whatnot, other things, and how much time he has on their hand, and how long the playoff run goes for the Winnipeg Jets. I imagine that might have something to do with it as well. Yeah, it's not it's not see-through um, when you get it. It's only see-through uh, in front of your green screen. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's people always, beautiful... Whenever you hold it up, people are like, hey, yeah. it's a see-through here. <laughs> it's not. That's just a little bit of a green screen operation. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's but... been magic um yeah great chat with uh Dreger, um you know all around the playoffs you know we do have those u.s series starting on saturday with washington boston i'm gonna be focused on montreal toronto canada i mean the uh not canada winnipeg edmonton uh those are the ones but you know once it gets later on or you get an overtime you're gonna be tuned in and i think there are some good series um you know some really uh, good rivalries islanders pittsburgh is a, is a classic one as i said washington boston uh, carolina is a team for me that i was on a lot last year they were a dark horse they had made a lot of moves at the deadline and they lost to boston so maybe they can get some redemption and that uh, florida series uh, could be interesting we'll see how kucherov does uh, now that he's back, conveniently uh, back in time for the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> it's such a scam. It is such a hey, scam. I had within, to ask Darren about that. You asked I mean, Darren. He's like, hey, it's within the rules. I mean, and we saw with um, you know, the Blackhawks a couple years ago when Patrick Kane was hurt, and they made some ads at the deadline, <laughs> and they took advantage of the salary cap doesn't count. And they you know, said, hey, wait, we'll wait to bring you back for the playoffs. So 
I guess you got to game the system a bit. Uh, if you're not, I don't have to say it's cheating because it's within the rules. So if you're not trying to look for every advantage, you're not going to win. So good, you know, good for those teams who are able to take advantage of a situation that may have been, you know, unfortunate for uh, with Kucherov missing out the entire season. Yeah, um, you know, it's a nice luxury to know that you're going to be a playoff team no matter what. And I mean, the guy's been skating for weeks. It's not like he hasn't been able to come back, but they've just not brought him back and waited till it doesn't count against the cap. So, Genius. That, I, well, <laughs> it is. And it's not the first time that it's been done. It just seems so obvious when we're talking about the Stanley Cup champion with arguably the best player off a championship roster, not playing all season, but showing up healthy, rested, just in time for the Stanley Cup tournament. Um, Remo, what do you, I, you know, we haven't talked about this this week. Um, and I know our focus is going to be on Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal, Toronto, but what do you make of the situation in Vancouver with no extension for Travis Green? We didn't, I didn't really ask about Benning's status, but, you know, one would wonder, you know, about the general manager in both Calgary and Vancouver, considering where they're at right now. Sutter certainly isn't going anywhere. If they are going to make a change, presumably it would be Brad Treleving. Um, but without commitments to the coaching staff going forward, you wonder if that might be have something to do with um, Jim Benning's potential pink slip at the end of this year. I, I don't know how Travis Green uh, doesn't get an extension. It doesn't make sense. He was a great coach in the AHL with their affiliate, got called up the, to the NHL. They had a great year last year. Um, it's not his fault that uh, you know Jim Benning what, didn't re-sign Tyler Toffoli and gave con- you know extended contracts to guys who are on the fourth line like Jay Beagle and Antoine Roussel. I mean, the allocation of uh, resources there in Vancouver, um, not ideal. And they do have some guys like Elias Pedersen coming up and uh, Quinn Hughes, I think, soon as well. So um, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But I I think he's for sure. I mean, if he was a free agent, he would be at the top of my list, Travis Green. So I. I like I like him. I don't know how they don't uh, lock him up right now, Huss. Well, the guy that the guy that needs to get locked up right now is Rod the Bod in Carolina. And you know, we talked to CJ about that yesterday about that sort of weird um, tweet that the Canes put out, knowing that they had been negotiating with the uh, with their head coach on a new deal, and. Um, it really, it's sort of when they put that out, everyone thought, oh, Rod the Bod's got a new three-year extension with Carolina. And then a little later on, it was clarified that, no, that was in fact a happy anniversary for three years with the Canes and there's still no new deal. And man, when I think of, you know, Brindamore, I mean, the first guy really I think of is Ron Francis in Seattle and the fact that they haven't made a decision on a coach yet, maybe hoping that the potential Jack Adams coach of the year uh, winner this year, which I think probably is going to be Brindamore, could potentially be a free agent at the end of the year without a new deal. Yeah, I agree. Has um, Brindamore has done a great job, and I thought you know Carolina put out the tweet. I'm be honest. I thought that they had signed him. I was. Um, I thought they had everybody the did. It tricked a few insiders yeah. too that then had to clarify. Actually, you know they're still working on it. Um, it was a shoot. The, the Kane social media. They're uh, they're sneaky good, I would say, and they had some fun. I think with everyone last week. Although it won't be funny if, in fact they don't get Brindamore signed and then people will look back and, Oh, remember that happened? Yeah. That was right before he left after probably winning the coach of the year. What I've seen from um, Sarah Sivian from the athletic is she's like, there's no way he's going anywhere. Brindamore, but like, why wouldn't the deal be done then? So maybe I, I have no idea. Maybe he's waiting to see. Tom Dundon's the- a weird dude, um, a weird dude. And even then the money that they were talking about, 
um, when Elliot reported that they had been re- they had been working on a three year extension in and around one point eight million dollars a year. Um, like I got to think that Rod Brindamore on the open market is getting a lot more than one point eight million dollars a year, yeah. especially considering the season that he's had. Never mind what he's done leading into this strange year with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, we're seeing that from people in chat. Um, you know, Brindamore had uh, I guess like a first time coach's salary before. And now that, you know, Chris Johnson mentioned this yesterday, so many teams need coaches. You know, if we're talking about why don't these teams sign the guys. Well, maybe the players are like, look, give me a chance to go to free agency. I'm a great coach. You know, might win the, for Brindamore, might win the Jack Adams this year. Um, see what you can get on the open market. Give it a shot. <laughs> hey, uh, we're going to get to uh, some more Jets talk with Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet and Kenny and Reddy. Just heading in, that'll give a shout out to Breezy Bend Country Club. Great sponsor of ours on the golf side of things. We do have a PGA Tour event underway right now at the AT&T by Renelson. JJ Spawn with a 9-under 63 is at the top of the leaderboard. Not a lot of household names. Rafa Cabrera-Bello, Aaron Wise, and Doc Redman at 8-under. And then a group, a big group at 7, including Charles Schwartzel, Sergio, Sam Burns, uh, Jonathan Vegas as well. We'll uh, have a little more on that tournament tomorrow heading into the weekend. And as always, we thank Breezy Bend for their great support. Find out more on Breezy Bend at breezybend.ca. All right, let's get to it. Kenny and Rennie will be getting after it tomorrow morning, obviously doing great work in and around all the Jet games. And you know Sean Reynolds from his work covering the Jets on Sportsnet as well. You may not recognize him without a headband today, but he's looking good and he's with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Rennie, what's up? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Hi, it's great to see you. Oh, good to see you as well. And uh, you know what? Exciting times. And I think maybe a little, uh, how do I say this? I don't know whether the fans or the team needed the game against Vancouver more, but um, I don't know about you. I think you saw it from some fans in the post game. Um, You know, a bit of an exhale, a little bit of return of optimism after what was honestly a really dark, dreadful two, three weeks that the team was struggling, unlike any point we'd seen at this season. How important was that win for uh, the psyche of the club as well as everyone following them? Well, I think it was absolutely huge. I think you're right. The fans, suddenly there's a lot of optimism. You'd, You'd think, you know, if you're talking about your team going into the playoffs, having lost nine of their last 11 games, the worst team in the NHL since the trade deadline, there wouldn't be a lot of optimism. But I've always thought that is the one thing that Paul Maurice's teams, and maybe you've got to give credit to Blake Wheeler and the leadership group around the Winnipeg Jets, but they are very, very good at taking the slightest little bit of positive news and hanging all kinds of confidence on it. I mean, I now the one thing I would caution about that is I felt we saw exactly that when they beat that Calgary Flames team four to nothing. And, you know, all the right things were being said and they had basically had said, you know, we've come out on the other side of this. We had a slide. We've come out on the other side of this thing. And then what happened? Well, they went and lost a couple more games. Now they come back into this situation. They beat a team five to nothing. They look like what the Winnipeg Jets look like when they were a dominant team. Uh, I brought up Blake Wheeler. He looked like the Blake Wheeler of old, fast, stick movement. He's slicing and dicing. They're making those kind of plays that you saw in the goal between he and Kyle Connor, where they just seem to be able to use their speed to confuse the defenseman, get to the net, make a nice skill pass and a nice skill finish. They've got all those things. So 
the one thing I'd caution about that is that game that they beat the Calgary Flames for nothing. The Flames were a no-show in that game. And Paul Maurice admitted as much, said he was <laughs> expecting a heavy game. Did not happen. They failed to show up in that game. I would caution people that 5 nothing victory over the uh, Vancouver Canucks, as good as that looked, <clears throat> that's a Canucks team that is COVID-weary, that's missing eight starters out of their lineup because of injury, that was playing back-to-back. That is the kind of game a team like the Vancouver Canucks are probably physically not able to get up for. But this Winnipeg Jets team has been talking about manufacturing a positive feeling and confidence down the stretch in the absence of results, in the absence of victories. And so a 5 nothing victory that looks like the team of old is better than just having to fake it. At least they've done it, so it's a good thing for them in that regard. Yeah, you know, I totally agree with you about the no-show from Calgary, Um, and we've seen a few of those from the Flames this year, and the fact that their playoff lives were hanging in the midst was, uh, you know, honestly sort of a microcosm of what the Calgary Flames have been this entire season. Totally. I'll say this about Vancouver, though. Even though, and you're right, the schedule they've had, what they've been through, this is not a team that's playing at 100%. But I was actually quite impressed with some of the physicality and the bite that the Canucks had in their game. And in specific, going up against the Lowry line. And you talk about manufacturing emotion, Sean. I couldn't help but watch, especially in that second period and the third period. Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, um, really trying to raise that level of emotion in the game. It looked very different than the two previous matchups. And I don't know, I took that, that these guys were ramping up and you know, sort of making a statement to everyone else in that dressing room that... We need to be at this level playing with this sort of emotion and physicality when we get to next week, and we may as well start it now. Well, they have to, Huss. And let's be honest with ourselves. I agree with you. I thought that there was some fight there from the Canucks, but when a team is tired, the first thing that goes is the thought process. It's not the hands. It's not the feet. It's the brain that goes. And there were some pretty boneheaded mistakes that you saw time and time again in that game coming from that Canucks team. And let's all be entirely honest with ourselves. If we think that that game that the Winnipeg Jets played against the Vancouver Canucks is going to look anything like a playoff game, it's not. And if it does, the team that takes part in that playoff game and plays the way the Vancouver Canucks played in that game are not going to last long in the playoffs. So that's the one thing about this that still leaves a big question mark hanging in my mind about how the Winnipeg Jets can do going forward here is it's been a long time since we've seen them perform at the top of their game in a game that their opposition brought it as well. It's been over 11 games that they've been able to do that. So we don't know what that's going to look like. And we're not going to get a look at what that's going to look like tomorrow against the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Toronto Maple Leafs aren't going to be bringing it. Uh, Both sides have said as much. Uh, the, The Jets are in the situation they're in. They're going to need to manufacture something, and they're going to need to manufacture confidence and a good feeling against a team that's given them every reason not to have that in the Winnipeg Jets. But you're seeing the thread of an idea of how they're going to do that in what Paul Maurice is saying. He keeps saying, and I like this, because in when he plants these seeds, he's not just planting it for his team. 
but he's planning it for the opposition. What has Paul Maurice been saying the last five or six games down the stretch here? This regular season off-the-rush offense, it's going to disappear in the playoffs. That's just how the, the playoffs go. Well, how do the Edmonton Oilers score their goals? <laughs> they score it off the rush. So basically, he's trying to plant a seed of doubt in the Edmonton Oilers' mind and saying, hey, guys, that's great. And all those points you got, Connor McDavid, they're great. You know what? They're off the rush. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. That doesn't happen in the playoffs. You guys may be in trouble here. And it's a way of not only building belief in his room, but trying to plant a seed of doubt in the minds of his opposition. Whether or not that's going to take, that's the big question that uh, is going to be answered about a week from now. Yeah, no, it's a great point. And we've we've heard some really interesting things from Maurice talking about this rough stretch, saying that, hey, you know, on the end, coming out of this, this could make us a better team. That's certainly what he's hoping. And to your point about anything off the rush, well, that's exactly what the Jets, why they need to play in a different way to avoid getting burned over and over and over again by, you know, and listen, it's still going to happen. Um, and I know James is in here. Listen, I, I I hope you're not taking this the wrong way. I'm not here yeah. suggesting that everything has been turned around from one game. I will say, though, that for a team that was desperately looking for, you know, some some forward progress, some doing things right, getting towards where they need to be. There was a few things that, you know, you wanted to happen, a better defensive performance. Certainly was nice to Connor Hellebuck to get that shout out. Not that, you know, you really need to worry about his confidence level. But to me, Sean, it was all about the top line. I mean, we've been yes. talking about, you know, and and we, we can say, you know, we can worry about the Lowry line and talk about Pierre-Luc Dubois we want. But I mean, really, to me, it's going to come down to Connor Hellebuck and what the Winnipeg Jets get out of that top line. And to be honest, they hadn't been getting very much out of them. Um, and, you know, for Blake Wheeler to drop a four-point night, for Kyle Connor to get back on the scoreboard in consecutive games, um, who knows whether that continues into the playoffs, but the bottom line is if it doesn't, it could be a short series for Winnipeg. Yeah, I think you bring up the, the very the most important thing that we're seeing from the Winnipeg Jets right now is belief in this team from the right players. Blake Wheeler is on a tear right now. Not only the four games, you go back to games before that. Blake Wheeler believes he's arrived to playoff form, and it's hard to argue with that based on what he's done. Kyle Connor had been asleep. Uh, he got the kiss from Prince Charming two games ago, got that goal, and now he clearly woke up in that next game. Uh, Mark Shifley has been believing as well, and you touched on it, the kind of play that we saw from Adam Lowry's line. Uh, those, And you touched on Connor Hellebuck. He gets a shutout. Those are the most important elements that the Jets need to have belief going heading into this series because Mark Shifley is going to be taking on probably Connor McDavid down the stretch here. Adam Lowry is probably going to be tasked with shutting down Leon Dreisaitl. If those two lines have belief and can pull that off, this is an entirely different series. Regardless of what happens around him, if Connor Hellebuck believes and gets back to that Vesna caliber goaltending that we've seen from him, this team is going to have a chance regardless. The one big question mark for me right now is that third line. The fourth line, they're going to affect things how they affect it. But the big question all along has been, why does a very top-heavy Edmonton Oilers team, why can, can they continue to do what they're doing, and yet the Jets, who are supposed to be so much deeper than they are, and they are on paper, why can't the Jets' depth take advantage of the Edmonton Oilers in this series. As good as that top line plays, as good as the Jets' third line plays, if they do their job, the Jets' depth still needs to come in 
and take care of business because as good as Adam Lowry's line is, as good as as uh, Blake Wheeler and that top line have been playing, I'm I will be surprised to see a series in which they outproduce Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. The numbers tell us that is probably oh, not hey, possible. Never mind, never mind outproducing them. I mean, let's start with not being on the opposite end of a tsunami of offense. I mean, exactly. I think at five on five, I could be wrong off by a goal, but I think in the first period of games, the top lines were going head to head, and there were ten goals scored, and I think nine of them were Edmonton's. Right. Um, and I mean, listen, that's just a, a, a losing equation from the get-go. So, I mean, and, and realize there will be times, especially with Dave Tippett having the last change in four of the seven games, that, you know, he might say, hey, listen, I want to put Connor McDavid out against that top line. Uh, and they will get their goals at some point. But as I said, if there's not production from that top line to at least try and stay in the area code of what McDavid's doing, it's very Hard to imagine the depth scoring of the Winnipeg Jets being able to make up for a big differential between the top players on Winnipeg and Edmonton. You know, I'm glad you brought up Connor McDavid, and clearly we were going to land here anyway. But Connor McDavid, I've been really kind of digging into lately and digging into the question of why the Jets' depth can't seem to overcome the the Edmonton Oilers. And, and to me, the answer to that question is Connor McDavid is the depth. What seems to set him apart from all the great players before before him? I think that it's his motor. He can run and run and run. So to your point about how Dave uh, Tippett is going to uh, is going to line match in this series, Connor McDavid can play on the first line, and then he can play. So he's like the first line. Drysaitel is the second line, and then the third line is actually when he puts those two together for the nuclear option. And then they have a fourth and fifth line. But the interesting part about that and what we've seen him do and we saw him capitalize on the Jets this year is every once in a while, because Connor McDavid's engine never gets tired and he never slows down, every once in a while you can throw him out with the fourth line as well. So this is a guy who can play one, two, three positions up and down the depth chart all at the same time because he never gets tired. And that is the great equalizer here. The Jets' depth was supposed to be the great equalizer or better than that, the great advantage in this series between these two teams. But when you've got Connor McDavid going out first, second, and fourth line for stretches of the game, that idea just gets blown up and thrown right out the window. So let's um, put the coach hat on for a moment. Put yourself in Paul Maurice's shoes. You realize that McDavid is going to be playing so much that you're going to need a plan A, a plan B, and really a plan C. Um, what's the uh, what's the matchup that you like the most? Um, is that where you, you start with Adam Lowry? And you know, is there an option with Pierre Luc Dubois if he's not on that line with Lowry? I know we can maybe get into that. It's something you've talked about before. Um, it, it, put it this way: is the best on best is the Shifley McDavid matchup the third option for Paul Maurice, or does he start that way and see if they can have better results? It seems to be his first option, and I do think that he thinks, uh, it, be, because of what I said about how often Connor McDavid is on the ice, if you're not finding a way to match that top line against Connor McDavid, then it's just going to reduce their ice time. So they need to be out there. I think Paul Maurice knows that if they are going to win in this series, they are going to need that line going, and it's going to have to shut Connor McDavid down or at least try and match him or neutralize him for a decent chunk 
of this series. Um, I, I like the idea of Lowry. We've talked about it on this show in the past about putting Dubois there. I like that kind of help that I just think that, you know, people always say, you know what, just send the guy on him, shadow him. Well, the guy who's going to shadow him needs to be able to keep up with him. That's the, the first problem that you run into. The second problem, when you say get a body on him and make it miserable on him, this is another thing that I think it, it makes Connor McDavid so different that people don't acknowledge and they don't typically talk about. Connor McDavid is a guy who skates right at you. He's not trying to avoid you. Everyone thinks that he's an East and West player. He's at the very heart of it, a North and South player, because every time he picks up the puck, the first thing that he's trying to do is just skate right past everyone and go straight to the net. He's a very North-South point A to point B player, and he'll skate right straight up to you and get a shoulder right on you and invite that contact from you because he knows that the moment you move to grab that contact, he's already a fraction of a step ahead of you because he's faster than you. So by the time you react to him, He's already gone past you. So all you can do is hope to contain Connor McDavid. And if you get to a point where you back up enough that you do contain him, you've provided him the space then for him to start weaving his magic with that East and West game. So I think that you need more than one guy out there. I love the idea of what we have talked about in the past of getting a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois who had success in shutting down a superstar last year with Austin Matthews. And, and Adam Lowry, who I think is just one of the best shutdown guys in the NHL, getting a combination like that that is just basically focused on wearing him down as much as you can, I think is what works best. We've seen, we've, and we've talked about it, we've talked about the challenge. Uh, Mark Shifley, at the beginning of the year, wanted his name up alongside uh, the likes of Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews on that billboard He wanted that this year. I don't think he got there. He didn't get anywhere close to that. And head-to-head, it was definitely advantage the other guys. And so, I mean, maybe just maybe their game over the past couple of wins they've been able to cobble together, and maybe Blake Wheeler's return to form is going to allow for a better result there. But I need to see that before I believe that can happen. Are you a... Are you buying Mike Smith as uh, returning to elite goaltender status? It's hard to argue with what he's done so far this year for the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, he went and grabbed that number one spot, and he's been great. But can you count on the Oilers goaltending once we get to the postseason? So Connor Hellebuck told me at one time and told me during his uh, Vesna season that things aren't as bad as they seem for the Winnipeg Jets and what the Winnipeg Jets defense at the very least did for him, despite all the high danger chances that we saw that he knew where those chances were coming from. So what the Jets defense would do quite often is they allow a guy right in front of the net with the puck, but you're in tight. Connor Hellebuck's a big goalie. Connor Hellebuck is actually comfortable handling those shots from real in tight, especially if you've got your defense who can back pressure on you. So, Yes, it didn't look pretty a lot of times in that Vesna caliber season for Connor Hellebuck, especially coming from the Jets defense. But he'll tell you time and time again, he knew where the shots were going to come from, and that made it easier for him to prepare for that. Mike Smith, I don't think that he's got the fastest reflexes and he's the best goalie for stopping you. But what he does astronomically well is he really does create a scenario by which he can relieve the pressure on his defense 
and take away the Jets' forecheck. And he did that all year. And if the Jets, I'm going to tell you right now, if the Jets don't find a solution to that, they're not going to win this series. So what Mike Smith does is he helps himself by helping his defense out and creating scenarios where the Jets don't get sustained pressure, where they don't get to grind and make him move east to west like the Jets like to do. What he's faced against the Winnipeg Jets has been a lot of perimeter shots. Now, is that the Jets making him look better than he is? Yes, because they're settling for those shots. But if the Jet, if the Oilers defense aren't giving up anything inside, I don't think you truly challenge Mike Smith the way that you can expose him and challenge him. So he's done a good job of helping himself. Do I think that he's going to be, you know, save Essenza with the with the blocker and the and the glove hand the way that uh, that a guy like Connor Hellebuck can? I don't think he can do that. But he hasn't needed to, by the way this team has played and by the way he's contributed to their play. Uh, you're listening to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. If you're with us live on YouTube, do us a favor, hit the thumbs up, give us a like, and if you haven't already subscribed, hit that red subscribe button and uh, hang out with us daily. We're with Sean Reynolds. Follow him on Twitter at Reynolds, and we'll get into what he and Ken Weeb have coming up on Kenny and Rennie uh, in a bit. Let's talk about today, Sean. Uh, practice, uh, coach was kind of speaking just as we went on the air. Um, sounds like Connor Hellebuck is going to play that final game. No Andrew Kopp, no Tucker Pullman. Um, Anything uh, else kind of noteworthy coming out today before we talk about the way the defense pairings looked and what we might garner from that for the final game, but more importantly for game one? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's an interesting situation. We were at a, at a spot where uh, with Tucker Pullman, he showed up to the rink expecting to play a couple games ago and then did not play. Um, and now all of a sudden it looks like he's further away than we thought he was. Um, Paul Maurice thinks that everyone on this team is going to be ready for game one of the playoffs. The one exception is Nick Ehlers, which it's still a possibility that he may be, uh, but it sounds as though that is somewhat in question. Uh, I don't like the sounds of that because every time we've heard, at least this season, I think quite often in the, in the past, that there was a question mark. Quite often that question mark, I think, went in the wrong direction and the Jets didn't end up playing those players. Um, I mean, Nick Ehlers is skating. He's shooting. Uh, I know that they were definitely getting him working and trying to get his, you know, his wind up. Um, and I mean, if he's got that, maybe that's enough for him to just step into that lineup uh, and, and contribute the way that I think he has all year. Again, I've been yelling it from the rooftops. I think he's been their MVP this year. I think he's a massive difference maker. We talked about getting their depth going well. If those two lines, the top line and Lowry's line, are able to do what they do, Nick Ehlers is the advantage in this series if he comes back and plays in this series, in my mind. Uh, but on the outside, you know, if you take a very cold, calculated look at this whole thing, a Jets defense that's only woke up for a couple games against teams that haven't played very well in the midst of losing nine of 11 games with, I believe, their best player or best forward at least this season out and potentially not starting game one of this series and having to get back up to speed in the middle of a series. These are all things that, you know, I'm sure, despite the brave face, are keeping Paul Maurice up at night. Uh, if you had to bet, is it Stanley and Ben as the third pairing for game one? I mean, I would think so. I think the fact that he's given these last two games to those players uh, lands a little bit of stability for those two guys. I think they've performed well. I think they've earned the right to get chances again going forward. It sounds like uh, Pionk and Forbert 
is something that is a must because forward, let's not kid ourselves, hasn't looked that good down the stretch. And Paul Maurice says that the best way to fix that is to have Neil Pionk beside him and get them back to playing that they were the, the way they were earlier in the season. And I do think uh, it, it's been one of those interesting situations this year where Paul Maurice has line blended so much. But I think, and we, we may have talked about this the last time I was on your show, I think we always expected it to come back to being that first line of Wheeler, Shifley, and Kyle Connor. Well, I think there's a part of us that always knew that it was going to come back to that first pairing of DeMello and Morrissey. Uh, I think it gives them the best chance. I think that uh, uh, Morrissey has had his struggles this season. And I think what we've seen from Ben and from Stanley is a very capable Logan Stanley who's been able to throw his body around and bring some of that heavy element that Paul Maurice has liked. Uh, Jordy Ben has bring some of the stability that he has looked for in a veteran defenseman. So it gives him what he wants on that second pairing and then the potential for a real solid go-out-there-shutdown pairing that we get in DeMello and Morrissey, which this team desperately needs heading into this series against Connor McDavid. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, if the team is behind, I wouldn't at all be surprised to see a considerable amount of time with Morrissey and Pionk playing together, as we've Mm -hmm. seen. But it doesn't seem like that is going to be the way Maurice starts any of these games. That will be an option if he needs to, and it'll be dictated by the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that will be the Jets kind of nuclear, mini nuclear version, right? In, in Edmonton, when they go nuclear, they put Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid together. Well, when they need to get back in the games, the Winnipeg Jets, that combo is going to be exactly as you said, Morrissey and Pionk to try and create some offense and get them back into games when they need to do that. Hey, I know we're going to be spending a ton of time focusing almost exclusively on Winnipeg and Edmonton, but uh, what do you make of that Leafs-Habs series? I mean, obviously the Leafs are a heavy favorite. Do you, do you give the Habs any chance of uh, pulling off a little bit of magic and extending the uh, the streak of futility in the big smoke with a win in the series? Yeah, you know what? I've always said in the past that, you know, with that, with that Leafs and Canadian series, um, you can kind of throw – all the, you know, whether one team is good and in the playoff race and another team is bad and nowhere near there, even those years that Toronto was terrible and one of the worst teams in the league, you know, which led to them getting Austin Matthews. It seems like you can throw that stuff out and it's always going to be a close series between those two teams. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the games remain close. What I see in that series is similar to what I saw in that Anaheim Jets series back in 2015. I know that the Jets led for so much of that series, huh. and I know that there's a lot of Jets fans that that felt that, you know, just a couple breaks and the Jets could have walked away with that series. What I saw in that series was a plucky young team, and I like to say it's like a race. You had the veteran in the race and the plucky youngster in that race, and they would battle it out down the stretch you know, in the 400 meters, get around the track. And then when they got to that last 100 meters, what I saw from the Anaheim Ducks was a team that took a look over at the Winnipeg Jets, gave them a wink and said, another day, kid, and then had that kick that just took them to the finish line. They knew how to close out games. They knew how to raise the level of their game when they needed to. And what I seem to see every time this Toronto-Montreal uh, series has happened this year is a Toronto team that when it's needed to raise its game, and, and get to the next level, they've got a level that we haven't seen from the Montreal Canadiens. Now, I said at the beginning of the season, I think the Montreal Canadiens are very well built 
for the playoffs. Maybe that changes things. I thought they showed that, uh, you know, that was a good example when they were in the bubble last year, how well they played, the way they were able to knock off the Pittsburgh Penguins, the way they were able to be the better team against the Philadelphia Flyers, although the Philadelphia Flyers were able to pull that out. The Montreal Canadiens showed very well that they're a capable playoff team, but the same as it was against that Philadelphia team where I thought the Canadians were the better team, but you know maybe more established at that time, the Philadelphia Flyers were able to pull it out. I see the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I fully expect them to pull out that series. Hey, Sean, um, I don't think there's any question that the most pressure is on the Toronto Maple Leafs considering the season they've had, the history, all that. We don't need to get to it, but... How much pressure is on the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, this is a team that, you know, had a a pretty good season, disappointed big time in the bubble last year. They've got these two world-class players. Um, Is is the pressure more on McDavid, or is there pressure team-wide to, well, not blow it like they did last summer? People love to say that there's more pressure on the Edmonton Oilers than there are on the Winnipeg Jets. I don't buy that for one second. Yes, you know, if you're in Edmonton, it's time to start getting something out of having Connor McDavid. You are wasting years of the best player in the game. Never, Maybe the two of the best three players in the game. You're wasting that window if you don't start winning. But everyone knows where this team came from with Peter Chiarelli. Everyone knows the way it's been hamstrung by the contracts that it's put out there. Everyone knows that in order to put together and surround those two players with a championship-style roster. They need to wait some years for some money to free up. Uh, So, yeah, do they want to get somewhere? Clearly. I don't think they start looking and saying we're a failure. I don't think David Tippett's job is in trouble. If you're the Winnipeg Jets, here's a playoff-capable roster and a team that a lot of people pegged, and I know a lot of players I talked to in 2018 thought that the Jets should have won the Stanley Cup in a walk. That's what they're contending with, a team that already got to a place that the Edmonton Oilers haven't got there yet or have not been able to get to yet. But the Jets got there and then haven't been able to get back since. And I think that this losing streak adds a layer of pressure to Paul Maurice's job. I think questions start being asked about this core (laughs) if if something can't get done here. So I don't think for a second, I mean, I, is, is Connor McDavid going to be frustrated if he doesn't get past the first round? You're damn right he's going to be. But don't you think that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler and Paul Maurice <laughs> are going to be frustrated if they can't get past the first round? I don't see that there's any advantage in the pressure uh, between these two teams. And I don't think on the other side of it between Toronto and Montreal that it's that much different. Because I think if you're in Montreal and you're that GM and you've made all the moves you made in the offseason to try and get to where you are, where you made a coaching change in the middle of the year that really did not get them back to a place we saw them play at the beginning of the year. There is pressure with all four of their these teams. With a couple of them, there are jobs to be lost. There is no one going into this feeling free and easy. <laughs> no, I think uh, I think you nailed it there, Sean. It's uh, hey, it's the North Division. All eyes on the four teams that are in the playoffs. You'd rather be there than be one of the three teams that are out. But if you're out in the first round, uh, it's Canadian hockey markets. There'll be plenty of questions and plenty of discussions by knuckleheads like us for five months until they start the next season. Um, Speaking of knuckleheads, you're going to be teaming up with Ken Weeb tomorrow for (laughs) Kenny and Rennie. Um, We got a 9 a.m. This is the weekly show, folks. If you haven't already subbed to the guy's channel on YouTube and podcast, what are you waiting for? What do uh, you and Kenny have cooking tomorrow morning at 9, Rennie? 
Yeah, we'd love it if you'd all come subscribe and join us. And, you know, we're riding the Hustlers coattails here trying to beg you to come over and check us out. But we're really proud of these uh, Friday shows. And we wanted to kind of get some insight into what's been happening with the Jets psychologically, you know, with them losing 9 of 11 games. So we got Todd Woodcroft, former assistant coach with the Jets, you know, head coach at University of Vermont now. What better guy to dig into the psychology of this team than the guy who spent time on that bench until last season? A great guy to have on. And David Amber, uh, one of our guys at Hockey Night in Canada, who's going to get really, really busy here down the stretch with the playoffs. We're going to get a show in with him and get him out of the way. So not get him out of the way, but get our show with him out of the way so that he can focus on that grind that they're about to embark on. We love these shows. Uh, everything that we do about this is kind of trying to tell the story behind the storyteller, which, you know, usually when you're hearing from guys like Elliot Friedman or Chris Johnson, you're hearing about what they know. You're not hearing about kind of what makes those guys special at what they do. And that's really what we've tried to dig in and find out on these shows. So we'd love it if you'd come join us tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Man, I can't wait. That is a great get. I mean, Todd Woodcroft, um, you know, it's you're exactly right. I mean, this guy has been in the foxhole with these guys for the last few years and probably knows this team as well as anyone right now. So really would be looking forward to that. Um, and I got to give you kudos. I'm sure most of the people that are here right now are well aware from your visits with us before and are probably going, but after the games, what do you guys go on about one hour? Um, like after the final, final whistle, give or take. Yeah, we try to do about four. I mean, that's the tricky part, right? We've been very happy with the amount of people who've showed up because the illegal curve guys go on and they do a post game show, show and they do a phenomenal job of it. And then we we've, we've tried to align with them so that we basically pick up right after they do and make sure that you know well, we feel that we're partners with 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 you, Huss, and with the illegal curve guys. We're trying to get hockey talk, you know back into the living rooms and on the computer screens of the people in Winnipeg. That's the way we do it. So typically if you're watching the illegal curve show and you still have an appetite for hockey, if you switch over to us, we'll be there waiting to go. Uh, But yeah, it's typically 45 minutes to an hour after the game. I can tell you this, there's a a nine o'clock game on that back to back going to be in the playoffs. You uh, uh, usually we end up going on those nine o'clock starts. Uh, We sometimes don't start till after midnight. Uh, and we usually wrap up around two in the morning. You've been there co- co-piloting hey, with me one Good time. times, good times. Yeah, good times. I like late is, night. <laughs> yeah, I'm blown away by the amount. I mean, we're sitting there at two o'clock in the morning, and there's 300 people sitting in there talking with us. And then, of course, people can check it out afterwards. Uh, it's just been, and I'm sure you can second this, the, these uh, online venues that we've gone to give such an incredible way to connect with the oh. fans and interact with the fans. I just can't t- t- talk enough about how much I've enjoyed that this season. No, you guys are doing a killer job. I never miss it. And uh, I don't think many people with us uh, here in the chat right today on YouTube uh, miss it as well. But get to it. One simple sub for both the weekly Friday show and the post games. Search for Kenny and Ready on YouTube. Uh, John, have a great show tomorrow. Thanks for doing this. And uh, I know we usually do this every couple weeks and kind of swap, but uh, we might have to double up and get you guys both in for a big playoff show at some point next week. Uh, one way or the other, we'll talk about it, and uh, we'll certainly be watching what you and Ken are doing tomorrow morning and after every Winnipeg Jet game. 
I'm in. That's excellent. Any any time I can spend with you is a good time well spent. Hey, appreciate it, Randy. The good stuff. There he is, Sean Reynolds at SN Sean Reynolds. And if you haven't already, make sure you're tuning in to what he and our friend Ken Weeb have cooking. Should be a great show tomorrow with Dave Amber and uh, Todd Woodcroft. I'm going to uh, set my own reminder to get in on that. Great having Sean on the program. Uh, we do want to get to our cool bet lines. I want to mention that tomorrow, Kirk and Twa from Assiniboine Downs is going to pop by. Um, late in the program and give us some tips on the Preakness. But Monday is opening day for Assiniboia Downs. Darren Dunn will join us. Uh, Double D's a busy guy right now getting the track back on, uh, on, but he will join us on opening day, set up everything going on at the Downs for the the, uh, the season. And if you want to get set up with your account to both bet the Preakness and live racing at Assiniboia Downs all year long, go to hpibet.com and get that account set up. And uh, we'll look forward to some great racing talk a um, little bit on Friday and then a full preview of the season at Assiniboia Downs with Darren Dunn coming up on Monday. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Rima, before we get through the lines, always a good time with Sean Reynolds when he joins us. Uh, both Ken and Sean sort of op, um, going on and off each Thursday on the program. But yeah, we may have to double up at some point or go back to back with those guys. They probably don't want to talk to each other anymore for the amount that they already do together on uh, on their channel. Yes, us. Uh, let's get a little Ken and Ren, maybe two-headed monster uh, in the house. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun stuff coming off the playoffs. It does start on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday. So uh, lots to get to before. And uh, some great stuff going on in the chat, just talking about how are you going to stop uh, Connor McDavid? How's that, <laughs> that going to go down? It's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I uh, I saw Wayne Jones, shout out to Norway, uh, in saying, you know, you got to hit him, you got to be physical. And I mean, yeah, that's a great plan. Uh, <laughs> just as McDavid's shown, that is easier said than done. Anything is easier said than done when it comes to Connor McDavid. And I don't know how, mu- how many hours of sleep Maurice and Charlie Huddy and whatnot are going to get heading into the series, but I have a feeling they may open their eyes a few times in the middle of the night and just be looking at a blue jersey with the 97 on it um, because uh, I think there's a lot of fans that are being kept up at night by McDavid nightmares and who knows, maybe some players. But again, Reem, I just keep coming back to this. Um, you know, a good start in game number one, a good first period in game number one for the Winnipeg Jets and, you know, a lot of the fact that not a lot of people are giving them much of a shot in this series could go out the window pretty quickly because once you drop the puck in game one of a best of seven series, everything that happened in the past doesn't matter anymore. And, um, you know, it's a good start can actually you know really give you some positive energy and positive momentum going forward. But it'll take it's it will take a lot more than that and a nice start to beat Edmonton in four of seven. If in this series, Huss. Uh, a star player doesn't get injured within the first five minutes. I will consider it a success. <laughs> That's all we want to see. I just no no uh, number one centers getting injured right yeah, away. Yeah, what a bu- what a bummer that was. Get a did, real series. We didn't even get to the first intermission, and it seemed like the season series was done. <laughs> Shifley got hurt last year in the uh, in the bubble. Uh, let's get to our NHL lines for today for CoolBet.com. Um, we've got four games. In the league, uh, sorry, three. Jets-Leafs is tomorrow, and the Jets are plus 140, and the Leafs are minus 167. But three games tonight, Minnesota and St. Louis. Uh, it's a pick 'em. 
St. Louis crushed Minnesota last night 4 nothing. Not too sure what the Wild will be bringing to the table tonight. You've got another Vancouver-Calgary game. We'll be seeing four of those before the end of the regular season. But the game of interest tonight, Reem, is the Colorado Avalanche taking on the LA Kings. And the Avalanche, after, what is it, a 6 nothing beatdown last night, a huge favorite. This might be the biggest Moneyline favorite I've seen in the NHL all season long. Minus 455. And the puck line is minus two and a half. And I think a big part of that is, is that the Avalanche can win the President's Trophy with a win tonight. They embarrassed LA last night. And there's also that little carrot ream of 30K a player if they're able to win that President's Trophy and get the bonus in addition to home ice. Yeah, Colorado's been good. And um, I was looking at the cool bet lines today. They are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. So huge favorite tonight. I think they would get it done. Their top line, uh, McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, all healthy, all ready to go. So we'll wait and see how they how they go. You know, I was the other thing at, that's I was yeah. just gonna say, just the other thing that's interesting about this game tonight is not only is it for first place, but it will determine the playoff yes. matchups in the West Division. And you know, if Colorado wins, they'll get St. Louis, who is in. You know, like St. Louis is, even with the win last night, 14 points behind the Minnesota Wild. This was essentially three teams and then a race for the fourth spot. If Colorado wins, Vegas moves down to number two, goes up against Minnesota. And if you check the season series between these two clubs, Minnesota had a lot of success against Vegas. And, you know, the way they're playing with the goaltending of Cam Talbot, you know, an exciting player like Kaprizov and Fiala, I mean... They they are going to be a very, very tough out. And, you know, I think Colorado has so much to gain from tonight, not only the bonus for the players, but avoiding the Minnesota Wild in the first round. Although St. Louis has been playing better as of late and certainly will not be a pushover. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, having if you're Colorado or Vegas having to play Minnesota and then having to play, you know, assuming the favor wins, you know, Colorado or Vegas, I mean, that is a tough... I don't think there's a tougher first two series in this uh, in the league than whoever you know is second in the you know the two three series from um from whatever that division is who knows the names west division <laughs> sorry you know same you're st louis and colorado what in the central they're usually there yeah. <laughs> but um yeah the honda west division so uh that's gonna be tough you know minnesota their stanley cup odds were way down the list and i'm assuming that's just because they're gonna have to beat uh vegas and colorado you know, who knows what order, but I mean, that is so, so tough. So, but I do like Minnesota. Uh, I'm not going to like it them as much next year when the divisions are back and we're going to be seeing a lot more of them. But uh, Dean Evesini, I mean, he's a guy from Winnipeg, I think under the radar as coach of the year, no one's really talking about him. So, oh, uh, you know what? I couldn't, a, I couldn't yeah. agree more. I mean, I think Brendan Moore's going to get it, but to me, the job that they did in Minnesota, I mean, to me, as disappointing as Calgary was this season, to me, maybe the best, I don't want to say overachieving, but the team that grew the most this season, mm-hmm. definitely the Minnesota Wild. And that's going to be a very different looking team when they come yeah. to the Central Division and reunite with the Winnipeg Jets next year. The other team too, um, Ottawa. I know that they don't usually give you know coach of the year to a team that's <laughs> out of the plus, but they got off to a horrendous start. And they were very strong in the last like two, three months of the year. And I know a lot of Senators fans very excited about this team going forward. So uh, DJ Smith in Ottawa, I think they, they had were playing hard all year, even though you know they were pretty much out of the playoffs from the start. 
Um, Kubet also has the series uh, prices uh, mm-hmm. up right now, and we won't go through all of these. We'll spend some more time, you know, before each series, kind of going through some of these numbers. But as far as the Oilers Jet series goes, Edmonton right now is significant favorite, minus two hundred eight on the uh, series line. Winnipeg plus one seventy five. Um, so just about three. I mean, listen, if you bet a hundred bucks and the Jets won, you it would return two hundred and seventy five bucks. Not bad. Um, you've got series totals, you know, over four and a half, over five and a half, minus twenty two, over six. Like to go seven games either way is plus two ten. Um, now here's interesting. Here's some player props. We'll go start with the Jets. Blake Wheeler total goals in the series over or under one and a half. Over is plus 155. Kyle Connor is over two and a half, and over is plus 125. Nikolai Ehlers is over two and a half, plus 135. That's a tricky one just for the fact that yeah. we don't even know if he's going to be able to go at the start of the series, or frankly, I think I'd probably be leaning against it considering what we're hearing. Ehlers points in the series, 3.5. Mark Shifley points in the series, 4.5. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois total points in the series, 2.5 and Kyle Connor at 3.5, Pionk at 2.5. All of these numbers, um, pretty significant plus money on the over for the Winnipeg Jets. And then you know you you look at the uh, the McDavid and the Drysaddle numbers. Over under three and a half goals, three and a half goals for Leon Drysaddle. Um, Nuge is over under two on the nose, so that one could be a push. Uh, we've even got an Andrew Cop prop in here over under one and a half goals at plus 180. I think it's safe to say, Reem, that, you know, a couple of those longer shots, whether it's Dubois, considering where he's been in the lineup, um, maybe it's Appleton or Cop or Lowry or even potentially Matthew Perot, who's been all over the lineup. Um, you know, if you can get a couple overs on the props of those guys for this series, probably gives you a better chance to win because as we've talked about, um, you know, the that matchup of top line versus top line, even if the Shifley, Wheeler, and Connor line, you know, chip in well offensively, um, it's just too much to ask to expect that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl aren't going to end up on the score sheet as well. Yeah, the one thing that's um, shocking about the Jets' losses to Edmonton is, you know, we've seen them so many times this year. It isn't that Connor McDavid has torched them more than he's torched any other team in the division. It's that the Jets tends to score, and Mike Smith has looked awesome. I don't know if it's, um, you know, his puck handling on uh, these uh, these dump-ins or what, but uh, they've struggled to deliver offense during this, uh, what, six-game losing streak to Edmonton? Is that is that what it is? I think that is what it is. Two yeah. and seven on the year and six in it's a row. Not, that's not good. So I know Jeff was asking, like, why do we think you guys can beat Edmonton in four of seven if you can't even do it in the regular season? As Hellbuck said, man, playoff, it's, it's a man's game. Uh, so yep. they're going to have to have to step Hellbuck up. also said, do we still have that clip from a few games ago where he said that they're saving their goals for the playoffs and that's great? Like that, uh, it's that was one of my, that was one of my favorite clips um, for a while. And hey, you know what? Everyone's going to say what they're going to say. Um, and that, I'm sure, will be in the heads of some of the Oilers, some of the Jets. But the minute the puck drops, um, you know, realistically, I mean, it's all ancient history. And it's what you do uh, in round one. Now, listen, the Edmonton Oilers are, for a reason, a significant favorite over the Winnipeg Jets going into this series. Um, but, as they always say, that's why they play the games. And I can't wait for game one. It is on Wednesday night. 
I was somewhat concerned, though, Reem, if you heard Rennie, he maybe has some inside information. He is a Sportsnet guy talking about a potential 9 p.m. start on the following Monday. That um, That's one of those games that, Whoa. you know, you, you would like that. 9 p.m. home start? 9 p.m. home start. For the Jets? On, on that's, Monday. That's BS. That's, that's, not, that's in the Oilers' time zone. They can't do that. That's not, why even do a home game if you're not going to play it in the home team's time zone? That's a joke. I yeah, I mean that's I, apparently the one day where there's two games on, and I guess they'll go with some sort of mon- holiday Monday doubleheader for the May long weekend. No, but, um, put, uh, it at, put it put it a holiday. Six, Start the game a little earlier. Yeah, that's just, Jets are getting screwed. That <laughs> and I know we like to joke about to- time zones. Like, do what you want in the regular season? But what you're not going to put it at a regular time, a home game? Come on, there's two games. You can't figure it out. Oh, I love it. But split in the chat. Special teams will be the difference 100%. Like, There's on. no They can't doubt do one it. at 6 Eastern and then one at 9 Eastern to do it at least 8? That That's what I thought that they would do. Do that. But do that who knows? Maybe he, was meaning, maybe he was meaning it's 9 Eastern. Maybe he was getting Eastern times. So we have no confirmation on this. This is just coming I, out of I don't get, a little comment that Sean slipped in earlier today on there's WSD. anything that fires me up, it's TV start times. You can stagger <laughs> those times. No overlap. But do it reasonable for the home team. Oh, man. Um, great stuff today. You know, uh, there's oh. a couple things. Mike that- says I should write a letter. I'm, go- I'm going to get that CEO's email, and I will write a letter. I'll be like, right. signed, Winnipeg. <laughs> I've done it before. I've written CEO's letters and gotten responses. So uh, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be me. That's right. You know, let's get on this. Let's save the integrity of home starts in the central time zone for the Winnipeg Jets and not overlook the fine citizens of Manitoba and the central time zone any further. It's oh, just not right. BA says, chill, your kid will be in bed. I don't care about... If I can watch it, I care about the Jets being able to being able to give a peak performance at an optimal game time. That's what I care about. That's what's most important for that. The game later games are great for me. Yeah, of course I love that. I'm just looking out for the team. I don't care about my own. It's about winning here. Yeah, it's about winning. Uh, Although, guess what? Both teams are going to be playing at the same start times in the entire series. So by the time we get to game four, I I. I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it's the same for both teams. Kenny's no, Edmonton their natural time zone is mountain time us. And uh <laughs> Kenny's water bottle says it's so they can air double headers. I know how I know how it works, okay? But don't you want the Jets to be if we want the Jets to be able to play their best, right? And doing that is playing in games that are center yeah, focused six on the and nine time Eastern zone. would be would be sensible, especially on a holiday why, Monday. Why don't they start games at six Eastern? Ever we never get um, we we get we've gotten a couple early starts here uh, for six o'clock. Well, yeah, that's so it can be seven o'clock oh, in yeah. the east. So, <laughs> a little math there, basically. Yeah, well, hey, right? Basically, how it works. Hey, if you want to check the ticker, if you're watching live on YouTube, all the Stanley Cup odds are there from CoolBet.com or it's go awesome. to CoolBet. Actually, hit up our Twitter at Sports Talk WPG. Follow it if you haven't already, and the Instagram and the Facebook, all the same Sports Talk WPG. But we will post the daily lines as well as the bonus code link if you want to uh, maybe get in yeah. on a few playoff bets before the uh, puck drops on the postseason. Yeah, and if you're reading the ticker right now, um, I add some stuff to make sure people are actually reading it because I don't know if people are. But it says right now, every additional like on the video will increase the Jets' chances to win versus the Oilers. So That's how it works. It's how it's scientifically proven. That's how it works. So uh, we need all those those likes, and it'll help the Jets' chances. I saw they had a 30% chance to win 
on Money Puck. So uh, prove those guys wrong. Hit the like button and subscribe. Yeah, Money Puck dropped to 30%. What was Columbus's um, chance against the Lightning two years ago by Money Puck? It was, it like was 7% it? or something like yeah, that? Yeah, I don't know. But they not only did they win, didn't they sweep? They swept. They were down 3 nothing after the first period in game one. Came back, won that game in overtime, won the next three games. And Tampa, after a historically great season, was out in four games. So... It just proves anything can happen. We understand why there's favorites, why there's underdogs, but we also know that it will be determined on the ice. And uh, I have to say, I know it was one game, but seeing the way the top line played and actually scored, um, seeing the way the team was able to play defensively and more so over the last few games, um, I'm more optimistic that the Jets can give the Oilers a real good run and have a fun, exciting series that um, won't be as lopsided as the regular season series was in the last six games. And I think that's a good start for the Jets, Remus. Um, and then once you get into a competitive series, you see what happens. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it would be nice if Mr. Hellebuck could be the best Connor in the series. If that's the case, then the Jets will have a real good chance to win. Yeah, they're going to need him to bring uh, bring his A game. I agree. But, you know, we're talking about the playoff series. starts Wednesday at 8 p.m. There is one more game, and it's tomorrow night. How could we forget? Uh, versus the Maple Leafs. Andrew Kopp, he's out. Uh, Dominic Toninato, who played his, made his Jets debut last game, he was on the third line with Appleton and Lowry. That's where he practiced. Uh, By the way, today. you know what? Just speaking of Toninato for a second, you know yeah. what else came out of the last game? You know, because remember, he was injured, then he was away. I don't know if he ever was on the COVID list. We never talked about mm-hmm. it. But he actually was out with... Ex- with um, extended symptoms um, and aftermath of COVID-19. So I, don't know, I guess because he wasn't a regular on the club, wasn't really on the roster, they didn't have to go that way. But, you know, you just wonder if it was another player dealing with that sort of thing, whether it had come out. But, uh, you know, so far, I guess it was Toninato and Tucker Pullman earlier in the year. The only real uh, scares the Jets yeah. have had with uh, with the virus. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow and Hellbuck is going to start. He wants to get in the game. He's a gamer. And I think, you know, with the next playoff game, with the Wednesday, it's, I don't think you're, like, risking anything by starting him. Maybe they'll take him out if he's getting a lot of shots or something. But he wants to play, sure. I don't yeah, see what, any and reason And what, what are the Leafs going to bring in this game, too? I mean, we'll focus on that tomorrow, get a little yeah. bit more on that. And obviously the guys on CGOB and Kenny and Rennie and whatnot before the game will break it all down. Um, but the focus of just about everyone is on next Wednesday right now, game one between the Jets and Oilers. And it should be fun. We'll actually, tomorrow, um, the Digital Gambler is going to come on the program, Reem, and we'll get some uh, some uh, sharp tips on the opening series in the Stanley Cup playoffs because um, that Washington-Boston series is getting going on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, he's on uh, Digital Gambler, and he's on uh, Vissin, Vegas Sports Information Network. So uh, Love the channel. To, yeah, seems to be a good uh, good guy to talk to. I don't know. I haven't seen too many playoffs. Like we're not doing a playoff pool. I mean, you know, maybe we'll shake something up. I tried to do a bracket challenge um, on the NHL website, just Winnipeg Sports Talk. So if anyone wants to search it up, it's there. But I went to make picks. You couldn't even make picks yet. So yeah, it'll be tomorrow once the Avalanche game happens Very, tonight, and they figure out what the yeah. story in the West is. That was so, uh, that it, is going to be the situation. It's like it's kind of weird how um, how it starts. So I don't I usually I get invited to go in a playoff pool or something, but. I don't know. I don't. I don't really, are you in a playoff pool? 
Well, we were trying to work something out late on Friday night to do it over Zoom. You know, whatever. If you missed the first game of the Boston-Washington uh, series and you know what's happened, not the end of the world, maybe we'll do something on Saturday night. It is a bit of a challenge this year. Um, just shutting out uh, people in the chat. There's a Taylor. Oh, yeah, Toninato did have a strong game last week. Uh, who's out? Who's in? Cop and Pullman are yeah. out. Uh, and it looks like it'll be Stanley and, and Ben in that fourth pairing. And Toninato is in cop spot on the Lowry liner. That's the way things were in practice. Uh, James Zelstra, what's up, James? Boys, tell me this. How do Jets going from Western final go back to a bubble team? So the Jets will be a bubble team for the next two years. I'm not sure I understand the question. But, well, the biggest part was getting their defense, their blue line, absolutely decimated. Um, that was a big part of the team going from where they were to a bubble team. But... I mean, I think it's a bigger question of what happened to the Jets in the 2019 season in the second half going into that series against St. Louis. Um, and as far as last year, I mean, weird year. Talked about the injuries in the playoffs. But yeah, they were a bubble team. That's a very fair assessment of what they were last year. And this is the thing. This year, Remus, they weren't a bubble team. I mean, they essentially had clinched their playoff spot about six weeks ago. And that was, I think, part of you know the struggles late knowing that you know, they pretty much were in the playoffs right now and um, why it was so urgent that they get back to doing what they did that got them into that spot in the first place because there was a while recently the Jets certainly didn't look like the team that had put up 27 wins before they lost seven in a row. Yeah, they, you know, Hus, they just couldn't find that emotion once uh, it was a foregone conclusion. They had trouble, but you know what? There was a lot of emotion, what was it, the other night at Bell MTS Place with the Stasny 1000, so... The mini I, sticks, the TSN turning point so, to the season... Yeah, just find some reason to give a player a pregame ceremony, get a bunch of former teammates <laughs> hyping him up. That's a recipe this team needs to win. So. Uh, Adam Hendrickson, super chats boost the Jets' odds as well. Ah, oh, that's what they say. We, that's what they we say never said that. That was you <laughs> yeah. saying that. We we just said likes. Come on, man. That was oh you. man, um, great stuff. What's going on uh, this evening? I guess we'll uh, you know pay attention to the couple of these games. You yeah. do like yourself a good late game and. Um, well, it was 6 nothing last night. Two 6 nothing games, a 4 nothing. There was not a lot of drama last night. And I don't imagine there will be tonight as well. I would expect the Avalanche to floor it early, get that W, get the 30K bonus a player, and set up a playoff date with the St. Louis Blues. A little bit of a Central Division matchup. And then, of course, you'd have the other Central Division team, the Minnesota Wild, going up against the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, so a couple games. There's some afternoon baseball as well. I know uh, Mitch in chat was talking about the Blue Jays. They got a win. And I think once, you know, the hockey season's done, um, although, you know, the hockey season really goes. You have the expansion draft and free agency and the actual, uh, you know, draft. So lots going on through the summer. But the Jays did get a win this afternoon over the Braves 8-4. So uh, there's our baseball update. Is that a sweep for the Jays? I think it is. Uh, yeah, what are they? 19, 16, third in the East? Maybe? I don't know. The Braves are pretty good. I'll be honest. Like, I haven't. I was really fired up for baseball at the start of the year. Uh, maybe because I had, like, all these fantasy drafts. And yes, that is a, that is a sweet Your lineups have stunk. Your players have been bad. And now you don't care a lick about Major League Baseball this no, season. <laughs> no. Uh, my teams are, are fine. I just, like. Baseball is a sport where you could just, like, re- read the box score and watch, get a sense of the game more than any other sport. So I've kind of been doing that, and I just, like, haven't watched. But That is true. Oh, yeah, it was a nice little sweep in the ATL for the Blue Jays. Uh, 8-4 this afternoon. Yeah, they won 4-1 yesterday. Um, 
I should retweet this out. I found a video. Did you see uh, Hyunjin Ryu hit that bomb in uh, in batting practice yesterday? No. There's a highlight of Ryu hitting a homer. And then uh, a guy I follow back from my KBO betting days at the beginning of the pandemic earlier this year, Dan Kurtz, great follow on Twitter. Oh, I know that tweeted, guy, yeah. Tweeted out a video of Hyunjin Ryu batting in the KBO All-Star Game Home Run Derby. He was the one pitcher that they allowed into it, and the only thing they did for him was they let him use an aluminum bat. But uh, the big Korean's got a little bit of pop in his bat as well. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. I guess we probably won't see him very often. They just had their series in the NL Park, um, so giving him an opportunity to do it. I haven't seen the box score today as far as what went on, but uh, I'm a huge Ryu fan. And it's great for the Jays right now, dealing with these injuries to continue putting up wins. Now all they need is to get George Springer back, maybe uh, you know reset Nate Pearson, um, and man, it would be nice to get Merriweather off that sixty-day DL. Alejandro Kirk as well. Pretty amazing the the fact that they are right now nineteen and sixteen, hanging right in there in the division. Remus, despite how many guys have been out of the lineup at different times this year. Yeah, so they're hanging in there, and I know baseball's a marathon, not a sprint. So you know, Red Sox then got off to a horrendous start. They're what a twenty-two sixteen. They're just behind the Yankees. So we'll be following along uh, loosely, but uh, right now I think our focus is on the hockey. Jets playing Toronto tomorrow, last game of the season. Hellebuck is in net, and then we'll, we'll be, we will begin the countdown to Wednesday, game one, eight p.m. Uh, in Edmonton. Oh, man, going to be a fun, fun week on the program. I think we'll probably kick off the playoffs with uh, Mike McIntyre coming on on Monday. Uh, grab a few more of the guys, Kenny, Rennie, Jeff Hamilton for sure, uh, and hit this series every which way. We'll get Gazola on from Edmonton, Dustin Nielsen. Uh, it probably will be all Jets and Oilers all the time next week on Winnipeg Sports mm-hmm. Talk. It should be fun, though. And again, tomorrow's show will be great, too. We'll get you ready for the Preakness. We'll break down some of the numbers on these playoff series with Andy, the digital gambler. Have a little bit more on tomorrow night's game between the Jets and Leafs. And then we're into the weekend, Remo. And now we come back and it's all in on the Stanley Cup playoffs because, as we mentioned, uh, the playoffs overall, we got to wait a little while till Wednesday, but they're right at it beginning on Saturday. Um, so for everyone with not much to do, at least we've got some playoff hockey to occupy us for the next couple of weeks before hopefully we can get back outside. Yeah, and you're looking at the forecast. I'm looking at the Skywatch weather. Um, it's it's insane. Some good highs coming up to- on the weekend, 24 Saturday, 27 Sunday, and sun. So let's get the rain out of the way tomorrow, 40% chance. And you know it's going to th- be this 30 on weather Tuesday. For? 30 on Tuesday, exactly. It's great, you know, maybe... For DQ? DQ. Whoa, what is that? That That's the, uh, this is the summer lager. Oh, summer lager, uh, yeah. From Little Brown Jug. Uh, it is m- elite blizzard weather. And again, Nick has mentioned that the new drumstick blizzard is out. He said it might be the best one of all time. I'll be trying that as well. Uh, and of course, get ready to get outside. Popeye Royal Sports. Bikes, shoes, skateboards, camping. They've got it all. One-stop yeah. shop for you. Travis um, says patio season. I don't think patios are open. Are they? I don't think no, they are. It, no, exactly. They're not right now. Uh, I but can hopefully. Tell you. Hopefully <laughs> soon. Actually, okay, this is the end of the show. I may as well, I may as well tell you this. So last night... Um, like okay. normally after doing nothing for three days, I have an incredible itch when we're done to get out. And I'll usually go sit at the bar at BP or Win City or Confusion Corner, watch a game, have a few beers. And obviously that's not an option right now. So 
looking for something to do yesterday. I was just so bored. I went out and sat by um, the river and um, right by there's a, there's a dock near where I live. And I sat down on the river and I, <laughs> we discovered that there's a family of beavers building some sort of a dam or a home underneath where we were sitting and literally sat there had a few LBJs and watched beavers go to work for at least two hours last night, Reem. Yeah. In fact, I could do a nice little, maybe an Insta story of the beavers sharing things around. They're remarkable. Um, but that's, that's how badly we need the playoffs to come right now because otherwise I'm doing my own little DIY David Suzuki nature of things sitting yeah. around watching beavers go in and out and under. They are fascinating creatures, though. Very hard workers as well. Of course. I think you need to uh, – we'll give you control of the Winnipeg Sports Talk Instagram. Give us a follow <laughs> in there, and you can post those. And i got to give a sh- shout-out to uh, Aiden Plays with the Super Aiden. Chat. Super we love the super chat. Your message is a little distasteful in the Winnipeg Sports Talk yeah. chat, but uh, in all seriousness, dude, thanks a lot for uh, thanks a lot for popping in. We do uh, we do appreciate he that. Gave us super chat. It says, "Let's go Oilers!" <laughs> trolling, trolling super chat. <laughs> oh man. That is excellent, excellent stuff. Well, Aiden, we'll see what happens next week. But as always, even Oilers fans, welcome here with us. And we will have some of my buddies from Edmonton. Dustin Nielsen will come on. We'll get Tom Gazzola next week to talk about the series as we go through it. Uh, Again, tomorrow, we'll break down the series. We'll get ready for the Preakness. We'll talk Jets, Leafs. And Remo, maybe, this will be a good way to end the program, maybe just maybe we can do a quick update on more uh, vaccine promotions in the United States and some of the vaccine oh. promos that we should be doing here. First of all, it was the free beer. Then yesterday, Ohio Governor Mike Devine announced that they will be doing a vaccine lottery, not a lottery to get vaccinated. No, they're going to be giving five prizes of $1 million to people that have been vaccinated. So if you want to be in the lotto, you get your shot, and then you're eligible for one of $5 million prizes. Um, and then, who was it, de Blasio? Was he the, uh, is he the governor, the mayor of New York today? Um, he's out there, 9 a.m., doing a press conference, crushing a Shake Shack burger and fries. It was here. I'm, should I just pull it up right now? We we're going to go. But... Yeah, you pull that up, and I will give a shout-out to our girl, Taylor, who's here every day. She goes, it's five bucks in the Super Chat. If I pay more, does it mean the Jets win? Listen, that's some good. You just put it in the Karma Cup right there, Taylor. Jets Karma Cup with the Super Chat. We love it, and thank you so much. (laughs) Gregory Liverpool, you're right. Better watch out. Beavers could destroy internet cable lines. Well, we were... We were keeping an eye on what they were up to. They they haven't come close to to the building right now, but they're up to something underneath. But I don't really think they're too interested in the internet cable lines. More interested in uh, just eating. And we also found out that beavers' teeth never stop growing, which was another uh, – yeah, yeah, exactly. They keep going. That's why they need to keep on chewing on the wood. It's I just part of the circle of that. life in uh, in the world of beavers. Okay, we right. leave, we... We're going to leave with this. Um, yes. M- Mayor Bill de Blasio of New York – I guess they want people in the states to get vaccinated, and they're trying to give them every incentive under the sun, any corporation. Um, so this is a real press conference, not an Mayor SNL skit. Uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio. Free fries when you get vaccinated? Um, I got vaccinated. You're saying I could get this? 
Your delicious fries. <laughs> like my Matt. But there's also a a burger element to this. Let me let me check with Bill Meathard. Is it too early in the day yeah. to eat a burger? No. This could be breakfast. Okay. <laughs> I want you to look at this and think about again. Some people love hamburgers, some don't. Really want to respect all ways of life. Yeah. But if this is appealing to you, just think of this just when you're showing think of off the Shake Shack burger. Mm. And the thing that freaked me out about this, Reem, was that he was chewing the fries at the beginning. And let's just, if you can pull that thing down, let's say this was the fry. So he takes a couple, he takes a bite, he gets about to here. Then he takes another bite, gets about to here. And then he puts the two half-eaten fries back yeah. in the tray and then moves on to the burger. Who does I'll, that? Well, I'll say this. Um there's a couple of funny things, like him going up there and eating burgers and saying, I don't want to offend anyone. Maybe you like hamburgers. Maybe you don't. <laughs> That's great. Shout but out to like, the vegans. We love you too, but we're eating, doing this promo with Shake Shack. Eating in public, um, like there's a reason why we don't sit here and eat, because it's disgusting. And when you're eating a burger, you can't look like a respectable mayor munching down Shake Shack in front of everyone. I don't know. So looks like a look- man of the people to me. I'm a, bi- look- I'm a much bigger de Blasio fan today than I was before seeing that video. <laughs> you got to make it look dainty uh, when you eat that. So uh, I thought that was- no, no, he did say, is it too early to eat a burger? I was going to ask you, what time is too early to eat a burger? I went through the McDonald's drive through the other day and they had I mean, like it's a- never yeah. it's never too early to eat a burger. Although this is the thing. I mean, if you're going through something like a McDonald's drive through and it's 10 in the morning, like I guess, depending on what you did last night, you might need a Big Mac or something like that. But I think at most points, you know, a McMuffin, a McGriddle, something like that just sounds a lot better than eating a burger at that time. Because in reality, you've got the rest of the day to eat the burger, despite the fact that some chains now are doing all day breakfast although it's a bit of a scam it's not the full breakfast menu all day it's just a few breakfast items i didn't know that it's good to know yeah yeah no you're well that's our uh grabbing a grabbing a griddle at 130 or something like that that's our daily looking at uh what kind of rewards they're offering uh, (laughs) to get vaccinated (laughs) greg Greg has me should have had giuliani having the burger and fries from the bedroom scene in borat too Oh, what an excellent way to end it. Shout out to Greg and everyone that's been with us today on the program. All right, Reem, we got to get these pods up and get after it. Um, We'll watch some ball tonight, a few hockey games, see if the Avalanche can clinch that President's Trophy. We'll have all the playoff matchups tomorrow. We'll break them down with the Digital Gambler. We'll talk more Jets Leafs heading into tomorrow night's game, and we'll also have Kirk Contois tee up the Preakness before opening day at the Downs next Monday. Big thanks again to Not Autocorp, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nikki DQ, our friends at Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, opening day next Monday, Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club, Coolbet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Have a great night, everybody. Enjoy this beautiful weather. Get outside, and we will see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, on a Friday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily before the final regular season game of the year between the Jets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Have a great night. Oh my god! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at WinnipegSportsTalk.com.